So we've been talking about uh, Philippians chapter two. It starts with Paul saying, if Jesus has given you anything, then bring that into Midtown Fellowship, into this community. Bring what Jesus has brought you here. The problem with doing that is you, that you're full of selfish ambition and vain conceit, and when you're living in selfish ambition, you're not giving stuff to me, you're giving stuff to me for you. And that's not really giving, you know, for you, for me. That's not what he's talking about. He says, so you have to truly value one another more than you value yourself, which almost is impossible because we're so selfish. That makes us run back to Jesus. And he says, when you run to Jesus, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna see how beautiful he is. Then you're gonna realize how beautiful he has made you to be. And then you're gonna participate with that beauty by doing beauty in your own life. And then he goes deeper to say, now work out that which has been worked inside of you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We'll talk about that in just a second. But right here at the end of the chapter, he goes from this great thing about how to do community, and he runs to this little passage where he's talking about two dudes, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So let's read this passage. Who's my reader this morning? Hey, come on up. Kylie, come on. Is this the first time you've read in two years? <laughs> nice. I haven't read anything. We celebrate that. Let's celebrate. Right again. She's starting in verse, what is it, 19? Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for you all, he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this passage of scripture. We by faith come now and believe that, Lord, uh, your Holy Spirit has a purpose for this in our lives right now. Give us courage to participate with that, listen for that, and to give our lives to it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So these two guys, um, Paul has given us these two guys as really a picture of what the entire chapter was all about up to this point. And these were guys that if they were here at Midtown, uh, they would be pastors on our staff or they would be small group leaders, they would be people sitting out among the crowd, they would be people that we would learn to trust and really rely on for their wisdom and their courage and the way that they're living their lives but I wanna point out verse 29. Look at verse 29. After talking about these two incredible guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, listen to what Paul says to the community. So then, welcome him 
in the Lord with great joy. That's great joy. Welcome them and honor people just like him. In other words, when Epaphroditus walks back in with Timothy, I want to see the slow clap. Way to go, man. Way to go. When, uh, when I first met John Rote, I'd only known, if y'all know John, he's been our XD here for the last year and a half. He is the guy with the big smile that will greet you at the front door. I hardly knew him, but I'd walked into a barbecue place just down the street here, and uh, Martin's, and uh, Wings, yes. Last week I talked about burritos. Today I'm talking about Wings. Martin's is open on Sundays, so if you have a craving, you can go there. And I walked into Martin's, and there was John with his entire family at one of the tables, and one of them turned and saw me, and they all went, Randy! No, they didn't say Randy. They went, hey! And they started clapping, and just, he's here, he's here, he's here. And I was like, oh, man, that's incredible. Hey, guys. Only to realize they were talking about the people behind me. (laughs) It wasn't me at all. But for a moment, I thought they were celebrating me. And in celebrate, I'd soaked it up. I didn't care it was for somebody else. That's all right. That's what Paul's saying here, is when they walk in, you better be a celebrating community. Why? Because these are two men that are working hard to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. These guys were working out to the outside what was true about them on the inside. And Paul is saying, when you see that, you need to celebrate that. That's what you need to celebrate. And you remember what we said last week is, What has Christ worked into the inside of us? If you are in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, you were dead, but now you're spiritually alive, and we were able to slice you open and see what's in your soul, we would find the things that are unbelievable. We would find that you're holy, that the Lord has made you blameless, that he has gifted you, that you are profoundly loved, that you have a righteousness that belongs to Christ and he's now given it to you, that you are favored by God, that you belong in the family of God, that you have riches, you have hope, that you have power, that you have the mind of Christ, that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, that there is peace inside of you, there is justification inside of you, there is grace upon grace, there is Christ in you, the hope of glory, There is mercy, there is joy, there is victory. There is the prayers of Jesus that are reverberating in your soul and the prayers of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter eight, that there is wisdom inside of you and rewards from the kingdom of heaven. There is the living word inside of you that you have all spiritual blessings upon blessings and all the promises of God are yes to you through Jesus Christ. You got them all. You remember what we said last week? If you're in Christ, that is true about you. You don't grow into the gifts of God. When you become a Christian, you have the gifts of God. That is you. Your name has been changed from orphan to now son and daughter. That is who you are. And when Paul says, work that out with fear and trembling, he's saying, work that out with awe that you are picking up something holy and profound and he dares you to live that on the outside. And so when we look at Paul, or when we look at Timothy and Epaphroditus, we see two men that are working hard to work to the outside what is true about them on the inside. And he's saying, you better clap. Why? Why does Paul want this church to encourage these two guys? Why should we be a community that encourages each other when we begin to see that? 
Because working that from the inside to the outside is really hard because it takes a lot of courage. It does. And if you're asking me to do something that takes a lot of courage, you know what? I need your celebration. I need your encouragement. I'm, actually, I need to encourage you. Because one of the things that encouragement does is when I give encouragement, it bounces back. We need a community that encourages one another. Because when we decide that we're gonna do that, let me tell you what happens. If you're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna live my life to live out the reality of who I am in Christ and who he is in me and who he is as my God, just hang on because that is a dangerous journey. Let me show you. In Romans chapter eight, this is starting in verse 14. You might wanna write this down unless you've already checked out. And if you've already checked out, then you need to be cheered on. Because those who are led by the Spirit, that's somebody who has been changed by Jesus, but those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you've received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. Let me tell you what's gonna happen when you start to live the outside the inside to the outside, you're gonna realize you're not a slave to fear anymore. You're called to fearless living. You don't think that fearless people don't walk into dangerous places? Do you realize that he says, you're gonna stop believing that you're an orphan and now you're gonna start believing that you're a son and you're gonna start living like a son and a daughter. And what does that mean? You're gonna live like co-heirs with Christ. Whoa, how do you think that would change your life? I'm not living small anymore. I'm living like an heir of Christ. And it says, this is what it looks like. You're gonna be willing to share, it says it right there, in his sufferings, that you may also share in his glory. In other words, if you're gonna choose today as a community, if we're gonna choose to start maturing in our faith as a community of believers, that we're gonna live in the inside to the outside, that that's what we're gonna become, then we are about to go on an unbelievable adventure. If you don't believe me, let's look at these two guys. Let's look at Timothy first. Look at what it says in verse 20. Paul says, I have no one else like him. No one else that's like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest. Look at that. He's given up selfish ambition and vain conceit, and he's learned how to value other people more than himself. He says, but you know this proven character, his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. No complaining. He has been on the crazy adventure. So if you wanna know a little bit about young Timmy, so Timothy grew up in Lystra, and he grew up with a mother who was Jewish and a father who was Greek. And uh, from everything that we learned from Scripture, we're not real certain that his dad was a follower of Christ, but his mother was. And she was maturing, and she was mentoring and discipling her young son, Timothy. And probably because Paul, when he'd come through once before, had led his mother to faith and his grandmother to faith, and they had led him to faith. And so when Paul came back through Lystra, I mean, we don't know, but we think that Timothy may have been a teenager. 
And he looked at Timothy and he goes, I want you to come with me. I want you to follow me, man. I'm about to go on a bunch of these missionary journeys and I want you to go with me. The problem was, is that Timothy was half Jewish and half Greek. He was kind of, he was a mixed race guy. And Paul was doing a lot of his preaching in synagogues at that time, which meant that Timothy had to claim his Jewishness to follow Timothy into the synagogues or he would be considered unclean and Paul would be accused of bringing an unclean person into the synagogue. What did that mean? Well, Timmy, if you want to go where I'm going, <clears throat> first, we have to circumcise you. Let that sink in for just a minute. <laughs> if you don't know what circumcision is, then you need to go Google search it. Um, it is something no teenager ever wants to go through. But this was the first step of Paul saying to Timothy, if you're going with me on this great adventure to be someone who gives them their lives to doing beauty, we have to prepare you for that and it's gonna require suffering. And what a preparation it was because listen to what, how Paul described his life in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and just think of this teenage boy following along with Paul. Paul said, five times I've received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I've faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, danger against false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things, there is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. If somebody came to you and said, hey, will you follow me and this is what's gonna happen, you might say, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> and that was not the most dangerous. A deal later in his life, Paul wrote to Timothy because Timothy suffered tremendous insecurities about his roles and his gifts. Can you believe that? He became a pastor of a church and Paul had to write him letters to encourage him because he felt insecure doing what I'm doing right now. If you're gonna work on the inside, what's on the outside, trust me, it's gonna be dangerous. And you're gonna go on adventures and it's gonna push you because you serve a God that says, I want you to see what's impossible for you because only then will you look to me and see that it's only possible through me. So let's look at Epaphroditus, or Epet, as I affectionately refer to him. I just think of that to be a cool name on the back of your shirt, Epet. Verse 25, but I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, my coworker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and a minister, and minister to my needs, since he's been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. So what was happening was, uh, in Philippi, they'd not seen Paul for about four years. Paul was in a prison in Rome. And the church in Philippi were deeply distressed about whether or not Paul was being taken care of. So they collected a bunch of money together and they gathered the community together like this and they said, we need to encourage and care for Paul. Who will go and take this money to take care of Paul? And Epaphroditus goes, hey, me in the back. I'll do it. Now let's think about this just for a minute. He didn't catch an Uber from Philippi to Rome. 
Actually, it was over 800 miles from Philippi to Rome. That Epaphroditus had to travel 360 miles by land, then he had to travel 70 miles by sea, and then another 370 miles by land. By all guesstimations, it would probably take him three months to get from Philippi to Rome, if he got there at all. In fact, the passage tells us that he almost died on the way. This was a perilous journey, and he's carrying a bag of money. I'm just saying, I don't know. Bible times, I'm thinking that's probably not safe, all right? He almost died, and here was the amazing thing that the scriptures tell us, is that when he was on his deathbed, almost dying, you know what his concern was? I'm concerned about the church back in Philippi that they're gonna worry too much about me. Do you see some of this working what is inside to the outside? Let me tell you something about this Jesus that we serve. He's the one that looks at us and he does tell us to go. But you know, before he tells you to go into the purpose of your life, he also says first come and then he puts his arms around us and he says, we're gonna go together. But where he leads us is often not safe. Do you know, and this is where we get stuck sometimes, and I'm just gonna challenge you right now. Do you know the chief purpose of your life? The chief purpose, the value that is a higher than any other value in your life if you are a Christ follower today. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is the purpose of your lives. Some would say to glorify God by enjoying him forever. It's not your job, it's not your family, it's not your parenting skills, it's not what you do in this community. It's none of those things. Those are all important things, but your highest value that bleeds into every one of those other values is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's no small thing. If you're going to do that, you will live a life of adventure. I got so much to say about that. We don't have a lot of time. But let's just talk for a minute about why we should be a community of celebration. Just imagine for me that there's somebody here for the first time this morning, and maybe there is somebody here for the first time. Do you know how much courage it takes to walk into this building for the first time? Do you know how much courage it takes to pull into that parking lot and not know anybody here? and walk from that parking lot into this building and y'all all look like you know each other? That takes a lot of courage. And I go, way to go. We celebrate that. We know, even if you have friends here, it's still hard to walk in here. Do you know how hard it is to become a small group leader here? I'm just gonna tell you, it takes courage to open up your living room and tell a bunch of people, come on in, and I will leverage my life to disciple you. That takes so much courage. You know why it takes courage? To fight for other people's maturity? Because it takes time, it takes an intentionality, it takes purpose, it takes preparation, but here's what it also takes. It takes us walking away from ourselves and leveraging ourselves for other people, which means I've got to deal with my own insecurities before I come over here and try to love you. I'm just telling you, if you're a small group leader, have you ever felt like that what you're doing doesn't matter? Uh, have you ever walked away from a small group meeting and go, I don't think that went well tonight? <laughs> yes, you have, I know you have. 
Have you ever set, gone to sleep going, my part, their part, God's part. My part, their part, God's part. I did my part. I don't know if they did their part. God's gotta do his part. Like, and have you ever, if you're a small group leader here, or if you've ever been a small group leader, have you ever said goodbye to the last person and locked the door to your front door, and as you turn around, you say to yourself, I will never do that again. <laughs> I quit. Yeah. You know why? Because you're fighting for vulnerability. You're fighting for a community of honesty. You're fighting to disciple people into being real and caring and celebrating one another. And that is painful and it's hard. I quoted Brene Brown last week. I'll quote her again this week because she talks a lot about this stuff. She's a psychologist who's written a book on shame and um, really has a lot of great stuff to say about our internal journeys. And she, she says this, owning our story can be hard but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerability is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. The experience that makes us the most vulnerable, these are the experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. Now, I wanna take that and go, I can't hide anymore from what Christ has done inside of me. In fact, most of the struggles that I have in my life is it's trying to get its way out and I'm fighting against it. And the Holy Spirit is saying, partner with me. Dare, dare to see yourself and how I've made you. And celebrate that. Dare to see the people around you and how I'm working in their lives. Celebrate that. And dare to see me. Celebrate that. Work out that which has been worked inside of you. And I'm gonna tell you, uh, I, don't, I don't think I have to, I didn't even put my sermon why encouragement and celebration is so powerful because I think we all know it. I don't, I don't think I have to talk long about that. But I'm gonna tell you that when people encourage me as when they encourage you, it gives us power and strength to continue. Isn't it true, if you've ever run a race, you know, if you've ever done a half marathon or a 3K, do they make 3Ks? <laughs> They need to make three Ks, all right? 100-yard sprint, slow. And, uh, and there's that, that last stretch where all the families and everybody are, and you see people have been running a marathon and they're about to die, and as soon as they reach that stretch, you know, their strut comes back and their energy comes in because, I mean, encouragement does that to us. I was reading, this is out of Marion Gilbert's book, Reminisce, and she said, one morning I opened up the door to get the newspaper and was surprised to see a strange little dog with our paper in its mouth. Delighted with this unexpected delivery service, I fed him some treats. The following morning, I was horrified to see the same dog sitting on our front door wagging his tail surrounded by eight newspapers. <laughs> I spent the rest of that morning returning the papers to their owners. <clears throat> it's true, isn't it? Okay, so here's, where, we're gonna stop. I've said enough, and we've seen how these two men have gone on the great adventure of what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. And now I'm gonna ask you to go on that adventure. And here's what I want you to think about. Who in your life, who in your life are you seeing working out to the outside what is on the inside? Who have you seen a glimpse from? Is it your small group leader? 
their apprentice? Is it a friend? Is it your spouse? I, I, want, you, I want you to get a name of somebody that needs to hear you applaud them. Who? Who in your life do you need to stop and intentionally think about? Do they need my words? Do they need my time? Do they need my great joy? My great joy that maybe when I see them, I just look at them and go, this has made my day to be around you. What God is doing in your life is powerful for me. Please don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Do you know in Hebrews chapter three, it says we encourage each other daily, daily. We celebrate each other daily so that we will not be deceived by the deceptiveness of sin. Daily. And I'm just asking you to come up with one person in your mind that's in your life that you need before this day is over to stop and give them the slow clap. You got it? know some of you are thinking, I know lots of people that should be calling me this afternoon. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. This is your giving out now. And then here, here's what I want you to think about too. Here's the second challenge. Do you want Midtown when we come back to be a community of celebration? Do you want this to be a place that when people walk in, they see people that smile and they're thankful that you just walked in the door? Yeah, we do, don't we? Do you know, I can't do that. That's on you. How will you bring yourself to this community as we start to come back? As we start to live out what it means to be fully mature in Christ as a body of Christ? Because I'm gonna tell you, church, it matters. We are a part of a greater church in this city. And there are beautiful churches in this city that are making a difference in this city because this is our time. And I say, guys, let's take, let's take our place among them. Let's, let's go shoulder to shoulder to join the great adventure that the church is doing great things in this city for the kingdom of God. And it may start simply by us looking at each other and going, this place will be a place of celebration. All right, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father, that uh, you tell us and Zephaniah, that you rejoice over us with singing. How unbelievable that you hold us in such a beautiful place. Lord, I pray that that person that is in everybody's mind, that, Lord, you would give us courage to move toward them and cheer them on. Courage to celebrate them. Even imagination to how we would celebrate them. I pray, Father, that we would stop and even slow our lives down enough to start seeing the beauty that's all around us and the people that you've put in our lives and that we would see the beauty to celebrate and call it out and dare it to come to the light of day because we see it and we want others to see it. May you change what we celebrate, change what we value, and Lord, may our lives glorify you and enjoy you forever. In Christ's name we pray, amen.